back to the new and improved Unlimited Hangout podcast, now available exclusively on Rockfin. I'm your host, Whitney Webb. Today we'll be delving into the seemingly imminent and inevitable chaos surrounding the 2020 U.S. presidential election. While that chaos is clearly palpable now, what we will be focusing on today is how intelligence agencies in the U.S. and elsewhere have been predicting that this chaos would transpire just as it has for well over a year, well before the onset of the coronavirus crisis and its effects on U.S. electoral politics. Oddly, several of these predictions were based on a series of simulations conducted by either intelligence-linked entities or groups tied to former Bush or Obama administration officials, including neoconservatives from the Project for a New American Century, or PNAC, as it's uh, often referred to. All of these simulations, interestingly enough, had similar results, ranging from the de facto end of U.S. democracy following the, tw- following the 2020 election due to a constitutional crisis um, to the imposition of martial law to restore order. Are these simulations just innocent, innocent war games that form part of the national security's toolkit for protecting the homeland, as they claim? Or do these simulations often precede the very scenarios they are mapping out? When taking a look at the simulations that preceded September 11th, 2001, the 2001 anthrax attacks, London's 7-7 bombings, and even the coronavirus crisis, the latter increasingly seems to be the case. So to discuss this and more, I am joined today by Charlie Robinson. Charlie is the author of The Octopus of Global Control, a nonfiction book examining the control structures that currently run the planet, and the co-author of an upcoming book with Jeff Berwick called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire that focuses on the planned destruction of the United States from both internal and external forces. He is also the host of the podcast Macroaggressions that can be found on most popular podcasting platforms like Apple and Spotify, as well as the iconic video platform. So thanks for being here, Charlie. Thanks for having me. I wish we didn't have to talk about this stuff. I mean, I wish we weren't having constant drills, uh, simulating events that wind up going live and mimicking the exact event that they were meant to simulate. I mean, it's frustrating and insane. And if it's the first time people are hearing about drills and simulations that wind up going live, that might seem a bit far-fetched, but Boy, I'll tell you, there's a list of them. And if this had just happened once or maybe twice, I might be willing to um, give them the benefit of the doubt. But so many times we find these drills and simulations that, um, boy, their information must be really good because their simulation mimics the real event almost exactly. And I would say that that is... uh, that's tough to do, time in and time out. But our our brave security services and intelligence agencies, they're just right on it, right? They never really stop it before it happens. But boy, they just do such great work giving us all the information of these simulations. That <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's insane. But. And then after the event happens, they say, oh, well, that happened because of a failure of imagination. There's no way Maybe. we could have thought that these things would have happened when, in fact, no. they were simulating them just months prior. Always. Nobody could have envisioned planes flying into high-rise buildings. I mean, except for all the reports that we did on, you know, simulating planes flying into high-rise buildings and everything. But really, nobody could imagine that, right, Condoleezza Rice? <laughs> right. So, um, speaking of uh, of these types of simulations, right? Um, there's been a lot of them going on uh, over the past year or so, and several that have taken place uh, since March 
um, that have been run by uh, people in uh, similar orbits to those, um, you know, like Condoleezza, the same sort circles, I guess you could say, that people like Condi Rice um, inhabit, right? So one of these that's, um, it really hasn't gotten a lot of coverage at all, and I wish it would. Um, uh, there's, a, there's these two organizations that exist right now. Uh, they were created around March or so, and they're, they're separate but related, right? So the first one is called this uh, Transition Integrity Project. It's really nice. They put integrity in the name. Yeah. Um, so you know there's integrity there. <laughs> right. Um, they focus specifically on simulating what will happen uh, the day after the November 3rd um, presidential election. And then there's a separate one called the National Task Force on Election Crises that focuses on events leading up to the November 3rd election and election day itself. Um, the Transition Integrity Project is particularly interesting. I wanna go over really quick um, the people that are responsible for it, at least officially. It's two co-founders. Uh, the first co-founder, who is a, one of the spokespeople of this group, um, is a woman named Rosa Brooks. She used to be an advisor to the Obama-era Department of Defense and also the Hillary Clinton-led State Department. She's formerly the special counsel uh, to the president uh, of George Soros's Open Society Foundations and is currently working at the New America Think Tank, previously known as the New America Foundation, whose largest funders include former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Pierre Omidyar and Jeffrey Skoll's foundations. They are both eBay billionaires. Reed Hoffman of LinkedIn, who was also, I believe, behind the whole Shadow Inc. phenomena of Iowa caucus fame. Uh, so an election meddler par excellence, I guess you could say. And then, of course, we have uh, Craig Newmark of Craigslist, who's also involved in funding a lot of these uh, anti-fake news uh, AI algorithms and things like that. And then of um, the New America is also backed by the Rockefeller Foundation and the U.S. State Department. So wow. um, definitely an interesting uh, lead to have as the, you know, one of the leaders of your organizations. And then uh, we have the other co-founder is a guy named Nils Gilman. He is vice president of programs for the uh, Bergruen Institute, I think is how it's pronounced, which uh, Gilman himself describes in the New York Times as quote, building a transnational network of philosophers, technologists, policymakers, and artists who are thinking about how artificial intelligence and gene editing are transfiguring what it means to be human. So um, this wow. is interesting. Right. I know. This is interesting, isn't it? There. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, this new America uh, think tank, right, is backed by people like Schmidt and Gates, who are also very interested in AI and gene editing and all of this stuff. So it's interesting to see um, the overlap there. Um, mm -hmm. But what's interesting, too, about these organizations is that their membership is not publicly listed. Only the National Task Force part has its membership um, available to see online. The Transition Integrity Project does not, but different media reports have leaked out uh, the names of some of the participants. So um, these two organizations have a lot of overlapping membership. Some of them uh, 
uh, include, well, both of them include Michael Chertoff, the former head of DHS, who on the day of nine or, or during the events of September 11th, uh, was involved in uh, deporting uh, people that were arrested in the aftermath of the attacks, uh, attacks to their home countries and is uh, accused of covering up many things on mm -hmm. uh, related to those events, right? And then was put in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. His mother used to work for Mossad. Uh, oh. Fun fact. And um, another person that we have on here, uh, we have Max Boot, David Frum, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Bill Crystal, John Podesta, uh, Robert Gates, who was Secretary of Defense under Obama, and Larry Wilkerson, who is the former Chief of Staff to Colin Powell. Uh, Wilkerson has actually been one of the uh, most public faces of both organizations. He's one of these overlapping members that's on the National Election Task Force and also the Transition Integrity Project, uh, who's made the rounds on mainstream media over the past few weeks saying, uh, we announcing that this group had essentially gamed out what would happen if Trump refuses to leave office. Um, hmm. If he does not, uh, you know, have a clear win in the uh, 2020 election. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that those those names there, those are Project for a New American Century people. They also wrote uh, Rebuilding America's Defenses in September of 2000, which said mm -hmm. that trans transition would be difficult, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. And then magically, a year later, they got their new Pearl Harbor, which is how they were able to cram through all of these new regulations, Patriot Act, kick off wars all over the Middle East and everything like that. So when I see those names, Max Boot, Bill Crystal, Lawrence Wilkerson, all these maniacs, my, you know, obviously my suspicion radar goes off the charts because these are the architects of terror. These are, you know, the terrorists that we're chasing around all over the world, United States is going after. These are the terrorists. These are the guys. We don't need to go look in caves in Afghanistan for, you know, boogeymen. These are the people. They've been involved in this for a very long time. They recycle in and out of politics. Um, you know, they go from the politics to the private sector and back and forth. They start a uh, project for a new American century, American Enterprise Institute. I mean, they, they start these these think tanks and they they are the permanent state. You know, because the elected governments kind of come and go. These guys come and go, but they they stay in a position of power. So if they're involved in running simulations about what an election might look like and a post-election might look like, um, we should be taking note of this. We should really be paying attention because these guys are not, they're not Nostradamus. They don't have crystal balls. They're not Karnak. They they're they're able to predict the future because they're creating the future and they do so right. through these um through these simulations and it, it's it's very devious and uh, i mean this is this that list of of guys is is a is is a list that should give people that are paying attention nightmares that should it should really make you wake up to the fact that something's coming i know 2020 has been an insane year and everyone says well you know it's all, we got an election things are going to get worse it's true but how worse? Um, right, right. I think it depends on these guys. I, th I think I think it depends on them. I don't. I'm not pretending that I they're the only. I think it absolutely factors. depends on these guys. We also. Yeah. I, I'm also uh, one of the co-founders of the Lincoln Project. That whole orbit. Uh, I mm -hmm. think his name is Reed Galen or Gallen. He's also part of this thing. So. What's interesting is that a lot of these these guys, you know, that are part of this, openly support Biden for president. Some of them are even advising the Biden campaign. 
they gamed out four different scenarios that they like invent, right? And it's these, um, a lot of these scenarios and the one we'll be talking about a little bit later, it's cyber reason scenarios. Uh, they're, they're basically, you know, you take turns. It's like a, um, oh, I forget the exact like gamer <laughs> word for that, right? But it's like a turn-based game simulation type thing, right? So they had four different scenarios, um, which, you know, the first one was ambiguous election result. The second one was a clear Biden victory, right? The third one is a clear Trump win. And then the fourth one is a narrow Biden win, okay? So um, I really just want to, uh, I really want to stress what happens in the third scenario, which is a clear Trump win, because we have to keep in mind that these people, right, a lot of them are advising the Biden campaign or have close connections to that campaign. So this is what these guys gamed out if Trump clearly wins the election, which doesn't really necessarily seem likely to me, but this is the mindset uh, of these people if he actually, in fact, does win. It basically shows that, you know, there's, well, I'll just, I'll just read it and people can Please. make their own conclusions, but it's really wild. So basically, uh, after the first turn, when it becomes clear that there is this clear Trump win, uh, the Biden campaign, quote, encouraged Western states, particularly California, but also Oregon and Washington, collectively known as Cascadia, to secede from the union unless congressional Republicans agreed to a set of structural reforms to fix our democratic system to ensure major majority rule. With advice from President Obama, the Biden campaign submitted a proposal to, one, give statehood to Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, Two, divide California into five states to more accurately represent its population in the Senate, meaning like stack the Senate in favor of California. Um, three, require Supreme Court justices to retire at 70 and four, eliminate the Electoral College, right? Um, so it goes on to say uh, during this period of time that um, eventually Team Biden uh, provokes a uh, breakdown in the joint session of Congress by getting the House of Representatives to agree to award the presidency to Biden, right? <laughs> and th this is the clear Trump win scenario that they're talking about here, okay? So <laughs> they do this, and then it says Pen Mike Pence and the Republicans refused to accept this, declaring instead that Trump was reelected under the Constitution because of an electoral college victory. Right. And then it says this partisan division remained unresolved because neither side uh, backed down. Right. And uh, it was unclear what the military would do in this situation. So basically what they're saying here. Right. They're they're publicly saying we're gaming out um, scenarios because Trump is a threat to democracy and he won't leave office. Right. If mm -hmm. Biden wins. But in the scenario where Trump wins, they actively talk about how the Biden campaign uh, would subvert that win to create a, like a constitutional crisis and like push for like succession of numerous states, um, you know, working behind the scenes with Congress to award the presidency to Biden, even though it was the clear Trump win scenario. Um, definitely pretty wild. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so they so they're concerned about democracy and yet their first move is to completely like destroy democracy in the process. I, you know, I used, I'm not, I'm not on the red team or the blue team. I don't, I don't like either of them, but I would say that growing up, I would, you know, I was kind of more 
a little bit more liberal. You know, I just was uh, be nice to everybody. Don't start wars, things like that. And I felt like that was the Democrats. Like they were kind of in that. And I always right. thought that the Republicans were more like, you know, figure it out for yourself, pick yourself up from your, you know, by your own bootstraps, you know, get a, get a good job. And that, you know, they're fo- focused on themselves and not very compassionate or sympathetic or anything like that. I have now come to understand that the Democratic Party is run by maniacs. I mean, I, I well, always... both parties are run by maniacs, but yes, both, you're right. <laughs> both parties are, are run by maniacs. But this new flavor that I'm seeing where it's like, if they don't win, they want to burn everything down. If they don't win, then everybody's a Nazi and they're screaming at the sky. I've... I feel like the left has put me in the unenviable position of defending Donald Trump multiple times, which I am not a fan of doing. But, uh, you know, not everything is his fault. Um, it's not like the the country right. was running perfectly. And, you know, uh, well, it's a cartoonish way of looking at events. Right. Being like, yeah. oh, everything we're responsible. Everything that's bad right now is Trump's fault. Like a lot of yeah. uh, uh, tweets recently from Biden and uh buddha judge is that how you say its last name mm-hmm. I, uh, right so like they're both um you know tweeting out like are you better off now than you were four years ago because of, you know a bunch of americans are unemployed because of the coronavirus stuff and all that right, right? claiming that that's all just because trump is president and has nothing to do mm-hmm. with external events which is just absurd right but it's you know it's the same sort of deal and in terms of like the underhandedness of of the democratic party recently i mean essentially, uh, you know, Kamala Harris, if Biden wins, uh, Kamala Harris is going to be president. She may even be the only be the presidential candidate before November if Biden ends up, you know, testing positive for coronavirus and stepping aside. They already have the DNC already has protocols in place for Kamala to be the presidential nominee, which is interesting because essentially it looks like this whole thing was engineered to get Kamala in place anyway, because at the very beginning of the primary, she was the one that got all the Clinton donors behind all the guys, all the people at the Hamptons, right, mm-hmm. rallied behind her. She had the support of the CIA faction that supports the Democrats and all this stuff, right? But she was extremely unpopular um, with Democratic voters. Um, she got savaged by Tulsi Gabbard in yeah. a debate or two that just totally, like, that just, just kneecapped her. her with right, facts. Right, totally. With, you know, with just facts about Kamala's with real career, facts. you know? Right, right. But now she's going to be the nominee anyway. This is, that. this is crazy to me because, yeah, so envision this. It's, it's the day of the inauguration, 2017. Donald Trump wins. That you're, you're Tom Perez and you're Nancy Pelosi or you're whoever. You're, you're all these, these Democratic bigwigs, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and all these criminals. And you get together and you're like, what just happened? I can't believe we lost to Donald Trump. This can never happen again. We've got to make sure that he never takes office. You get four years to figure out what you're going to do. And the best you can come up with is Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been running for president for a year. I'm not kidding when I say this. I can't tell you what his platform is. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I do know well, that his like platform Buddy is ju- or Buttigieg or whatever, you know, platitudes, a platform with, with of platitudes that and, and nothing will fundamentally change. And right. um, <laughs> and, you know, you just got to suck it up and vote for Joe. Th- this is this is it. So they so you've got all these project for a new American century maniacs starting these simulations and they're trying to game, you know, what what's going to happen if Trump wins. And, and I just want to say, like, 
if you guys want to not have to do all of this busy work, why don't you come up with an actual plan to make people want to vote for you instead of Donald Trump is bad. Okay, we get that. You can't shame Donald Trump. You can't shame somebody who has no shame. That doesn't work. That didn't work in 2016. <laughs> right. But they're still trying it again. They're still trying it. It's like, vote for our guy. He's he's not as bad as the other guy. And you're like, that's that's the sales pitch? Like, give me something to get in, excited about. Give me something to be... I mean, I'm no... I'm not saying Bernie Sanders is his policies are are great or anything like that, but there was actual energy and enthusiasm and momentum around him, but they didn't want anything to do. I, I feel like the DNC would rather have Donald Trump win re-election than have Bernie Sanders win. Uh, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so so here we are. We've got a couple of months, weeks till the election. You've got Joe Biden, a guy running for president who is, you know, and, and I'm being generous here, is in cognitive decline. Um, you've got a, you've got riots breaking out all around the country where the people are actively protesting, slash rioting against the police, and then the DNC goes out and gets the vice presidential that was the former attorney general, like the cop of cops. Are you are you trying to lose? You know, like do you have or is there or is there some plan that we don't know about? that makes all of this insanity and all these bad decisions actually make sense. Um, and that might be that they've got a plan to steal the election or something like that. But I, I just, I, you know, there's studies that have been done that show that the presidential candidate that has the most energy behind them doesn't have to be good energy, positive energy. It could be negative energy too. But whoever has the most energy surrounding them wins. And it is undeniable that Donald Trump has the energy. I mean, people love him, people hate him, but well, Joe Biden. Well, it was like is that in in 2016 too, with like Clinton and Trump. I mean, a lot of people were just like, "Well, we're settling for Clinton, right?" Mm -hmm. um, because we hate Donald Trump so much. But you know, there were people that, uh, you know, Trump definitely had a lot more, like I guess you could say, grassroots energy in 2016 yeah. than than Clinton did, right? And so it's sort of that the same sort of setup. Um, but what's interesting, too, going back to the whole, um, you know, engineered nature of what seems likely to happen after the 2020 election is that we've seen Hillary Clinton come out and openly say on TV, I think this was a, a few days ago only, she was telling Joe Biden not to concede if he loses, right? Mm. Which is is really interesting because remember we're saying like, you know, all these, these officials, this transition integrity project, they're saying, well, if Trump loses, he won't leave quietly. Right. While they're while they're gaming out, you know, how they'd give the, the, the presidency to Biden, even if he wins. Um, yeah. And at the same time, you're having Hillary Clinton going and, and sending a message to Biden. Right. Saying don't concede, um, which is essentially what they're accusing. They're saying what Trump will do, but they're actively doing it, but they're not getting any flack for it. I think that's really odd. Um, but they're also seeding this narrative that Trump's not going to leave office, why all this stuff with mail-in uh, ballots is going on, this controversy over the post office, um, which I definitely think is is a interesting turn of events um, as well, because I mean, it, not that I want to defend Trump or anything like that either, because I consider myself to be a fan of neither party uh, by a large margin, but I mean, uh, there is a very, it's very easy to document cases of electoral fraud in the United States related to mail-in ballots um, yeah. or just, you know, just fraud in general 
that has been done by uh, often by Democratic candidates. I would point directly to Debbie Washerman Schultz, um, who should not be popular with most Democratic voters anyway. Right. But in that district in particular, I mean, it's known that like Brenda Snipes, right, who is who oversees the elections in that district, uh, has a very nasty track record that is provable and, and pretty much documented. Right. That, you know, fraud has taken place there. Um, Remember the DNC fraud lawsuit, there were efforts to prosecute the DNC after the uh, 2016 primary between Clinton and Sanders. Um, They had a couple witnesses drop dead and that lawsuit essentially got uh, thrown out because they said the DNC, the DNC said that they can pick whoever they want and the primary doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it's definitely, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's insane. And I, and you know, and but all this could be avoided if you, you know, you don't have to have these these tricks up your sleeve or these, you know, people that you've got working for you because um, you're, you know, blackmailing them to do do your bidding for you. You don't have to do any of this stuff if you just run a candidate that actually that people actually like and are enthusiastic and want to vote for. But it seems it's it's almost impossible for them to find somebody like that. So here we are with recycled old old Joe Biden, who's you know, on video sniffing kids' hair all the time and being totally inappropriate and fumbling his words. And I, I you know, I, I feel like, you know, don't, you guys don't act surprised when, you're, when your guy loses this election. Um, you know, what did you think was going to happen? We've had a whole year to make fun of corn pop and, and I got hairy legs and, 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 and all of these gaffes and everything. And yeah, There's Trump no is- more things to make fun of anymore. I mean, they've all been used. It's been so long. You know, so many gaffes of Biden. They were funny at first, but now it's just yeah. like, seriously? And now they're yeah. saying, we're not, Nancy Pelosi's like, I don't think Biden should debate Trump. Right. Well, of course, of course, she thinks that because he'll get destroyed. But I, I saw a guy <laughs> put it on Twitter that was kind of funny. He said, I'm not going I'm not sitting through, you know, six months of this nonsense to not see that debate. You know, I want to see that debate. I want to see that train wreck and, you know, on TV. So um, it, it's just a it's a weird time. Um, and of course, right up right on schedule the dnc is projecting this as you say you know onto trump trump won't leave office hillary clinton comes out and says trump won't accept the the results of the election you know and this wait are you out of your mind you're saying this hillary clinton is saying that donald trump won't accept it somebody who's been spending the last four years not accepting the results of her own election is going to accuse donald trump of not doing this in 2020 and it's just it's infuriating and for the and and what makes it worse to me is I feel like there's just a, a massive amount of people out there that don't even make that connection that it's like this is coming from the wrong source. You want to talk about hypocrisy? Oh my goodness! I mean, I, if you're the DNC, you don't pull Hillary Clinton aside and say you need to make yourself invisible for this election cycle. Like you're not helping anybody. But I guess they're run by her. I mean, I guess she she. She still runs the show. I guess the Clintons still carry enough weight that that people are listening to their voice. I don't know why at this point. Uh, now we're starting to see Obama get brought into it. I think people have more. Res- I mean, I think the general public has more respect for Obama. They shouldn't if they know his track record, which they don't. But but he has he he carries himself differently, and so I feel like they're you know they're gonna they're gonna try they're they're obviously living off of their past with Obama through Joe Biden. They're saying, hey, vote for Joe. You know, he he's like that Obama guy that you like so much, except, you know, he's not him. But, 
he's connected to him. You should vote for him instead. It's 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 330 million people in the United States. And we get to we 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 had to choose between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and now we get Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. The the system is obviously broken. Right. I mean, that's why I personally think that honestly, you know, if you don't like either candidate and continuing to vote for the lesser two evils, I mean, people can't do that anymore. And now there's this movement for I don't know, I've seen a little bit of buzz about it this movement for a quote-unquote people's party but i mean if they wanted to do that the time to do that was after 2016 right not now of course because um, it definitely seems like they know that this that people are going to catch on for sure after this crazy election given what mm -hmm. they have sort of seeded about what's planned and they're going to set up a situation where it will be uh very difficult to create a third party or even potentially have any elections in the future because of the potential role of the military coming to step in after the constitutional crisis um, that is set to emerge after um, you know the results are made public. Um, but of course, as we know now, right? They've already said this that the we we, we it's very unlikely that the results of the election will be known uh, even on, on on the same day or even the days after. It could be weeks before there is any sort of uh, official decision giving out with all the mail-in ballots and all of this stuff. Um, it's very possible that there will be, you know, very uh, politicized recounts, um, which of course have happened in the past, right? And have been proven to be manipulated at some point, you know, in 2000, 2004, for example, in, in favor of Bush. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there's definitely uh, a huge space for craziness and you're going to have both sides pointing the finger at the other saying, oh, no, you did. Uh, you guys did fraud. No, we didn't because we won, you know, type of thing. So it's definitely set up to be um, really wild. But uh, really quick, I just wanted to go over some of the other things they predicted um, really quickly in some of these different um, scenarios. There's another one where they uh, the Democrats somehow convince Mitch McConnell to back Biden for being president which is interesting. And um, then there's a couple where basically both Biden and Trump uh, claim uh, to be president at noon on January 20th, the day of the inauguration, leading to uh, standoffs. They predict uh, massive street violence between uh, the left and the right, with Trump accusing uh, the people that oppose him of being uh, anarchists and communists. And, uh, you know, the people on the right are accused of being white supremacists and white nationalists and all this stuff. Of course, we're seeing uh, this play out uh, ever since the uh, relatively recent riots, rioting uh, began. But, you know, this is something that was gamed out a while ago and honestly has been uh, seated before then. Actually, Politico uh, earlier this year, I think it was in uh, February decided to do the uh, national, uh, or in March, I believe, uh, to do the national threat assessment for the intelligence community because the intelligence community said they weren't going to do one this year because of coronavirus, right? Uh, interesting so Politico that Politico would step in. Well, they did their own version, they said, like okay. an unofficial version, right? And um, they also predicted uh, election mayhem, but they also predicted, uh, quote unquote, a rise in domestic terrorism uh, from uh, white supremacists, white nationalists, what have you, um, which is very interesting, especially when you consider a lot of the narratives that we're hearing now uh, in relation to um, the rioting and the the 
counter rioters, I guess you could say, but also the fact that if you actually bother uh, to look into a lot of those groups, right, um, the white supremacist groups in the U.S., they are very frequently uh, tied up with the FBI or very heavily infiltrated by the FBI, um, which is uh, important to point out. Uh, given the history of, of past events in the U.S., particularly the 1993 World Trade Center bombing mm-hmm. that preceded the 2001 uh, you know, World Trade Center bombing that was obviously much larger. But the 1993 one, you had the FBI uh, essentially totally infiltrated in the group that was uh, a, you know, said to have been responsible for that bombing, knew it was going to happen, and did nothing to stop it. That is uh, you know, official record. So definitely very interesting to see that type of, um, you know, narrative coming out from Politico during that period of time. And, um, you know, uh, things about cyber attacks from Iran, China and Russia, which we'll be getting to um, in a little Mm -hmm. bit in terms of how that plays in to these narratives for 2020. But um, really quickly got a little (laughs) on a little tangent there. Right. But basically, another thing that gets predicted a lot is, you know, there's going to be this constitutional crisis, this street violence. um, But that at some point, the the, this group, the Transition Integrity Project, they sort of say um, the role of the military is unclear. Right. But there is a um, another group that's been doing simulations that precede uh, these simulations that we've been talking about most recently, um, that they were doing them between November and in February of this year um, that were actually talked about, they actually talked about the role of the military coming to step in uh, and restore order, right? And what's particularly interesting, I think, um, about that before we get too into it is that um, back in March, mainstream media started talking about something they haven't mentioned by name in a very long time, and that is continuity of government. They were talking about because of the coronavirus crisis, what happens if President Trump tests positive for coronavirus and all of this stuff. And actually Newsweek reported that continuity of government protocols were activated in March and that the specific task force um, of the military that takes over in a continuity of government or COG scenario was activated in March. And it has, to the best of my knowledge, not been deactivated since March, right? So it and was activated was out of concern. In charge of that? Yes. Is that the, yes. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. The like NORTHCOM, I yeah. believe, is the the branch of the military that oversees that particular task force um, of the military. Right. So it's that guy. And um, this was when they were talking about what happens if a majority of members of Congress test positive for coronavirus and cannot um, assume their roles. What happens if the president or the vice president, the speaker of the house, this was the public justification for the activation of that. Of course, um, these, uh, the, the doomsday scenario given there for coronavirus and the power structure of the country didn't come to pass, but the scenarios that they're seeding for the 2020 election and after, uh, suggest some sort of role from the military, which, you know, this transition integrity project, group sort of hints at which cyber reason points out more directly so you know uh depending on how much of this chaos that they're predicting ends up emerging it's very possible that the military may be called in to quote unquote restore order that is not a good thing that is not what we want that you know what whether it's the military or whether it's the united nations being called in these are catastrophic decisions that would be made and and it's not surprising to me really that they would um use coronavirus as the cover 
to do whatever they wanted. You know, while that's happening, while we're in the midst of this, especially early on March, April, May, you just saw every fantasy that these maniacs had ever had that they thought, well, how could we impose this on the people? Well, they'd never go for it. They they dragged them back out and started re-examining them. Well, could we do this under the guise of coronavirus? Could we get everybody in their house? Could we get everybody to, you know, what if we did vote by mail? Maybe we could use coronavirus to install this so we could rig the elections through that. I mean, every sort of fantasy that they've had um, now gets to, you know, gets new life under the guise of protecting the people from a pandemic, which is, which has been you know the, the government loves this stuff they'll of course they'll openly say that they don't but but they love this this gives them the blank check the the free reign to do the things that they've always wanted to do but would knew they'd never have support for but now they can frame it as uh coming you know as we're we're just looking out for your safety and we've got hey we've got to take the the we've got to take the whole community into account yes there's going to be some people that won't like what we're doing but but this is for the greater good, the benefit of everybody, and all those lies that they tell us every time. Now they've got this great excuse. And so, you know, continuity of government, is this accidental? Probably not. Is this the pre-positioning their people in power or, or, or in positions where they have the authority to make decisions on this in advance of a big event? Well, it wouldn't be the first time because Dick Cheney did this in 2001 right. when he made him when he put himself in charge of shoot down orders and things like that he changed the way things were happening so that he would have this power didn't mean anything at the time but only 5 6 months later what do you know these changes that he randomly made happened to be exactly what was used in order to control the 911 situation Right. It's also worth pointing out that Cheney and, and Rumsfeld were involved with the creation of the continuity of government protocols, which goes yeah. back, you know, at least the version of it that's around today, right, was created in the 1980s, um, really uh, as a, you know, sort of a side project, I guess you could say, of Iran-Contra. It involved a lot of mm -hmm. the same people, but Cheney and Rumsfeld, who at the time weren't even in government officially, right, um, were intimately involved in creating... Uh, these continuity of government plans, which at the same time that they were drafting these plans, it was also described by the Miami Herald as operating as a parallel government to the Reagan administration. Right? Yeah, they had been in government, then they'd been out of government, then they went back in government with Bush, uh, with with W. Bush. So yeah, they were they were they were plotting. <laughs> Right. That's, and so now plotters. a lot of people in that same orbit, remember Dick Cheney, member of PNAC, right? You yeah. have PNAC people like Bill Crystal on this transition integrity project, gaming out all these all these scenarios. And there seems to be this convenient role for the military to slide in to maintain, quote, continuity of government in this constitutional crisis that they are predicting in all four scenarios, yeah. right, that either end up with Biden taking office if you read through you know they have the scenarios of you know different ones for who wins the election but the end results if you go down and read you know how those scenarios end up playing out it's either constitutional crisis or biden is installed essentially mm -hmm. right so um you know it's definitely I'm, worth considering all of these things together in their scenario though for biden winning do they role play out whether the the right will rise up and riot against this? I mean, oh, to an extent, yeah. So there's two different Biden winning scenarios. There's one that's the narrow Biden win, for example, and what they have is um, they they have uh, 
people on the right wing, uh, right wing media accused the Biden campaign of accepting help from China, a message picked up by the mainstream media, right wing meme pages, um, saturate the online landscape with appeals to defend the constitution from enemies, both foreign and domestic with domestic in all caps. This is, I'm reading from their, their official document, right? Um, they're talking about violent skirmishes and vandalism uh, taking place, talking about, um, let's see, Mitch McConnell supporting Biden and Mitt Romney supporting Biden um, in his bid to the White House. Uh, Trump uh, claims fraud. Let's see. Um, but in terms of rising up, I mean, it's talking about like white supremacist, quote unquote, white supremacist uh, violence, right? Far right militias, things like that. And we're seeing that narrative seated now also. Um, in relation to what's going on with the, um, you know, the riots that have that have yeah. popped up um, in yeah. in recent months throughout the yeah, country. Yeah, you can't be you can't be a rioter and not be a white supremacist. I mean, you can't be one of the guys with the guns and not be a white supremacist. I mean, it, it, it's well, according weird, to the right? to the like media. with the Kyle Rittenhouse guy. I don't want to yeah. defend his. I don't want to get into the whole like was he justified whatever. But I mean, he was pro cop. He was a yeah. Blue Lives Matter guy, not a um white nationalist or anything like that i've seen no evidence linking him to any sort of ethno supremacist movement right no. but it's definitely been uh said that he is of that ilk i guess you could yeah. say even though it, it by all appearances he appears to have been a pro-cop counter-protester not a white supremacist protester never let the facts get in the way of a good story that's jeff zucker's <laughs> policy at cnn right so um let me uh, there's also a couple other scenarios in here but i think the one i read from is the one that talks most about um you know their view of uh quote unquote you know uh right-wing militia violence and things like that and they, but they also talk about the biden campaign organizing protests and and all this stuff. I would encourage people to read this for uh, themselves. You can find it, I believe, in the Boston Globe's report on the Transition Integrity Project is where I got it from. But it's definitely very interesting to see what these people are, are predicting and, and, and gaming out in relation to that. But, um, and, uh, you know, as I said earlier, important to keep in mind that you the people that created this group, right, are uh, tied up to the Obama administration, of course, where Biden was vice president. Um, and are also tied up with a lot of these Silicon Valley billionaires who have really emerged as being the real meddlers in U.S. elections, yeah. whether it's through manipulation of Google, of social media, in the case of Reid Hoffman of LinkedIn, creating this Shadow Inc. group that was behind this voting app that totally, um, you know, magically led uh, Judge or whatever to win the mm -hmm. caucus. Uh, when that was the candidate that Reed Hoffman had been donating to, all very convenient, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, the real election meddlers, uh, the think tanks that they fund, you know, people from that created this project. And then you have people like Bill Kristol and John Podesta, you know, who's very oh. involved with the Clintons. You have Michael Chertoff, right? All of these people gaming these things out. I definitely think people should be paying attention to this. Because any sort of, you know, they claim on their website, like, you know, all we care about are free and fair elections, but there are no, like, Trump supporter figures on these, um, 
you know, on these task forces. So it's definitely a, clearly a very partisan thing. And it's sort of, I would argue, sort of like what we saw at the DNC convention, this uniparty coming together, right? Of yeah. establishment Democrat and establishment Republicans the, the, that are never Trumpers, right? Mm -hmm. um, that are all sort of uniting because they're really the same, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's, yeah. it, they're There's making no, the like election. Mitt Romney going, well, I'll, I'll support, you know, I'll support Biden. And, well, of course you will, because you're not married to, you know, red team, blue team. You, you're just, you're in that club. This is what you do. You know, John Kerry's of the world and guys like this, they, they're, they're whores for, for their masters. And so they, they work for, uh, you know, so they see Joe Biden and they go, yeah, he's on the other team technically, but he's one of my, he, he's in my group. You know, this is the, I think that a lot of people are, are, are um, now starting to see the red, you know, the Republican Democrat, there's, there's a blurry line. There's a lot of these guys, you know, they all go, they get their money from the same sources. They're, you know, they do fundraisers where the, the same industries give them tons of money. They all go play golf together. I mean, th this this imaginary line between red and blue is is just there for theater in a lot a lot of cases. I I think they legitimately don't like Donald Trump, but but there are a lot of people that are on the Republican side that would that would more than happily uh, support Joe Biden because they're part of it. This is they're in in this big deep state group together, and um, and they would rather see. They'd rather see one of their own, a guy like Joe Biden, even if he's from another party, come into power uh, than continue with Donald Trump, even though even if they're Republicans and should theoretically be supporting him because they don't ideologically line up with him. They, they are more in line with somebody like Joe Biden, who is a soulless suit who can be controlled by whoever. Whoever wants mil military industrial conflict, the banks, big pharma, Israel, you name it. They've all, you know, he's an empty, he's an empty suit that uh, can be whatever the establishment wants him to be because he has no real, uh, you know, he has no real belief system except that right. he's, he's part of, you know, except that nothing will fundamentally change. So they like that. I mean, at least the, the people in Washington, they want to get back to that. Nothing will fundamentally change because they understand how to operate in that world. Donald Trump, Donald Trump's version of government. They don't know what to do because he's, you know, he's so erratic. He's a bull in a China shop. He hates the media. He calls them out. He does things that are totally unpredictable and and, and it, it, it messes up their scam. It, it messes right. up their their grift. You know, how can we how can I loot this country with this? this unpredictable president doing all these things than possibly exposing my criminality. I got to get this guy out of here. Even if I'm a Republican, I want him out because at least with Joe Biden, I know that we'll get back to the, the, the thieving will come back. <laughs> the, the, the lying, the, the manipulating will all come back. Well, we'll be back where we, where we feel more comfortable, the swamp. And not to say that Donald Trump is draining the swamp. He's just changing the swamp, but they don't want any sort of change. Right. Well, I think something interesting um, about Trump is, you know, he's super narcissistic, right? And he gets a lot yeah. of narcissistic supply, I guess you could say, from his rallies and the energy of his supporters, right? Mm -hmm. And when he gets the biggest reaction from them is when he says things against people, for example, like, well, before he died, right? Like John McCain, or when he savages these establishment politicians that people hate, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, people on this other side, this uniparty side, obviously don't like that because Trump, 
you know, I think he's doing it for selfish reasons, for like, you know, narcissistic reasons, probably. But he he's speaking to something really real in the American public where a lot of people don't like the people that light us into war a bunch of times. And, you know, yeah. all these criminals are still in government and he's tapping into something really real there, you know, which gets creates these energy, these this energy at his rallies and all that stuff that he really like enjoys. And you can tell he like is super into that. Right. But it's oh, it's yeah. a it, at, on, on one side, it's like a threat to these people right on the uniparty side who are like oh man they're talking about how much they hate us and oh he's like whipping them up and do a frenzy you know like that mm -hmm. definitely has to be concerning for them um to a significant degree so i think it's interesting too that you have like what like cindy mccain talking in support of biden um all these ex mccain staffers endorsing biden right um also on this national task force on election crises you have the former policy director for mitt romney's presidential campaign uh right um, because remember, this is a bipartisan group, but you're seeing, you know, in terms of bipartisan, yeah, there were a bunch of Republicans that spoke at the DNC this year. Uh, so it was yeah. basically a bipartisan convention because it was the bipartisan political establishment that agrees about more than it disagrees on, right? Mm -hmm. And Trump, you know, for different reasons is, um, you know, a threat to aspects of that. I wouldn't say he's a threat to the establishment because clearly he, um, as president, has served uh, major interests at the establishment, the military industrial complex, the Israel lobby, all very happy um, with President Trump, right? But I think a lot of it has to do with perception, right? They don't like seeing uh, the main mainstream media outlets on which they rely for setting narratives like CNN and all this stuff, uh, just being savaged by Trump and his supporters um, on a regular basis or being called liars and fake news, all of that stuff. They, I think they want to go away um, yeah. as, as, as is this sort of, um, this, this thing that I mentioned earlier that Donald Trump feeds when he, uh, you know, shits on <laughs> essentially um, some sort of big name politician that serves uniparty interests, right? Mm -hmm. And people get wrapped, they love that. You know, like you said, they're like, yeah, go get these guys, we agree with you. And then he brings in Elliot Abrams and John Bolton, and it's like, really? You're, 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 criti you're rightly standing up at these rallies and criticizing the media and criticizing these establishment uh, maniacs that have been running us, you know, leading us into wars. But then you, you kind of nullify it by bringing back these, you know, just more of well, the yeah, same. Well, I mean, of course he nullifies it, right? Because it behind it, it, when it's not about him being publicly there in the rally and in the publicity, he doesn't really, I don't think he really cares about no, shitting on these guys as much, I right? I don't think so either. Right. Yeah, he, so he's got to bring them he brings right. them back and then it, it, but but if it was a then when things go sour then he starts to fight he starts the fight with john bolton and everyone's like yeah go get john bolton it's like well hang on a second why did you bring john bolton back in the first place that's the real Sheldon question should be asking. <laughs> that's my answer yeah but no for sure um but i think it has to do with like this publicity thing i think it's all about a public perception thing and i think that the Uniparty, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, is really fed up with that, especially when you're having a lot of more discontent than ever really um, at the decision makers, the behind mm -hmm. closed door planners, uh, especially now at a time when you have like tens and millions, tens of millions of Americans unemployed because of the coronavirus crisis. And then you have, you know, um, essentially, you know, the part, uh, an aspect, a major aspect of the 2020, you know, presidential campaigns difference between them is, oh, Trump is going to be the party of reopening and Biden is going to, you know, the national mask mandate and yeah. lockdown second wave and all of this. Right. So, um, 
you know, I think with, you know, unemployment skyrocketing, you're going to have a bunch of Americans homeless. Um, what, like 40% of Americans are facing eviction in the next couple weeks, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, discontent is going to be very high. And I think a lot of these people are hoping that, you know, to have Biden in, for example, um, would allow them to sort of be able to manage that perception um, a little more. Yeah. Yeah, because he's predictable. He's pre he, he'll do whatever they need him to do. He'll he'll be whoever they want him to be. Um, whereas with Trump, he's well, at least on the outwardly, he's less controllable. I think he's I think he's controlled still. I don't think it, I don't think anybody oh, gets to too. a position of power in this in, in these governmental structures without have being controlled on some level. And of course, you know, especially when you're when you're somebody like Donald Trump, who has a history of all kinds of things, um, no doubt that they've held something back that they've got over his head to make him com comply. I think they'll allow him to do a certain amount of this, uh, you know, rhetoric it is uh, debates to get everybody riled up but they don't let him go as hard as i think you know he he might want to um, and that is because he's he's at his core like all of them you know there's there's a control file on him they keep keep him in check keep him from going too far off the reservation and if you do go too far off the reservation then either that that material comes out and which puts you back on or you get shot in the head, you know, in Daly Plaza or something like that. You know, so so there's there's ways that, you know, that these guys are kept in check. But Trump seems to be the guy that is the he's the most likely to uh, say something he's not supposed to say. You know, he's the he, he says the the quiet part out loud a lot of times when he's not right. supposed to. And I right. think that people kind of like that because it gives them, you know, some people will say, look at him. He's so stupid. He doesn't know better than to, than, than to actually say that out loud. But I think a lot of people are like, no, I'm glad he said it. I'm glad he's, he's saying these things out loud because now we're getting a glimpse on how, how this really operates. Not, right. not to say that Trump is, is the great exposer or anything like that, but, but, but we've, we've watched more so than anything else. We've watched the reaction of the establishment towards him and they are terrified of him. They're afraid that he's going to say something that, you know, is going to paint them in a bad light. Like you said, the media, the media would much rather he go away but it's a double-edged sword for them because their ratings are up because if they're talking about how bad Trump is, that's a really interesting, you know, I mean, it's a story that's kind of played out over four years, Frank, if, if you ask me frankly, but, but there's a lot of people that still eat that up that still turn on Rachel Maddow to hear her talk about how awful Trump is. I mean, it's great for rating. He's been great for their ratings as he's belittling and exposing their, you know, vast assortment of lies over the years. Right. Well, I think at the end of the day, though, the media, right, you know, they have what they want, but ultimately they're uh, just an arm of a power structure that's bigger, right, that ultimately makes the decisions. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it may be good for their ratings, but they're not really, you know, there's the business aspect to a lot of these media companies, right? But at the end of the day, um, they ultimately work for a power structure that, you know, doesn't care if their ratings go down, if they want Trump to right. go away, you know, they'll be behind yeah. that, I think. For but sure. um, what's worth pointing out, though, since we were talking, um, you know, more, most recently about, you know, this, this, these newer uh, simulations that have a lot of like anti-Trump pro-Biden people is that actually the other group that I mentioned earlier, Cyber Reason, this company um, that also had a lot of these very disturbing predictions for the 2020 election actually have ties to 
uh, well, their main investor is SoftBank, which of course has a lot of ties to the Kushners, to MBS of Saudi Arabia, who's close to the Trump administration. Um, and you know, it's definitely, uh, well, also the head of SoftBank had a pretty closely relationship with Trump, uh, in the early years of the administration. Right. Um, so mm. definitely you can't really call them anti-Trump. Right. And they were actually the first group to do these types of elections and they're tied up with Israel. They're, you know, essentially what I would argue is an Israeli intelligence front company. And of course we know that Trump has a very close relationship with Israel's government, um, the Israel lobby. And a lot of the biggest, most high-powered Zionist donors in the United States, Sheldon Adelson, uh, probably ranking at the top there, since he's also now the biggest donor, not just to the Trump campaign, but to the entire Republican Party and the biggest donor in all of U.S. politics, right? So, um, <laughs> What a yeah. reprehensible scumbag he is, too. I, I lived in Vegas for nine years, and I still work there i still am I'm in vegas plenty of times and yeah i'm not a, i'm no fan of sheldon adelson and his whole his whole crew i don't i right. don't think that that's good for the nation i think that it, it it blurs the line when you drag israel into this and 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 it's always funny to me it's always like we've got to be careful about election meddling and we've got to watch russia and all this foreign interference how dare we have foreign it's like are we not going to talk about Israel? <laughs> like, are we not going to talk about the number well, one the foreign interference? The craziest thing about Sheldon Adelson, right, is that he's on video saying, talking about him and his wife. They're standing together at the podium, and he says, talking about he and his wife, right, all we care about are being good Zionists and citizens of Israel. He's on video yeah. saying this, right? Yeah. Like, the biggest donor to U.S. politics. I mean, can you imagine if you subbed out China for Iran or, like, oh. China. I mean, it would be huge news, but you know, uh, it would be it's Israel, indefensible. So no How can we, we, we can't have this They're They're infiltrate, but Israel, Oh, Israel's fine. Yeah. Let them do whatever they want. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's right. the, that's the mentality of, of a lot of people in Washington. They've either been brainwashed into it. They've been financed into it. They have, uh, you know, it's a blurry, it's a bit murky now. And when you start to call out Israel, boy, I mean, I'll tell you, as you probably know, yeah. uh, they, <laughs> they, they, they come after you. They defend their, their, um, their country. They defend their, their position within the United States as, as fiercely as, as you can. And, and I know you've written, you know, amazing work on their, their new version of control, well, maybe not new. I mean, I guess it's sort of, if you go back to the Promise software, it's always right. kind of been there. But this technological underlying infiltration um, mandate that, have, that, of course, that has been put forth. I mean, obviously before Netanyahu, but Netanyahu's obviously a, a huge component of that pushing Unit 8200 and all of their work to to get us involved in in knowing exactly what's happening in the United States as they can. And, and that, right. of course, um, regardless of which country, no other country should have that sort of freedom um, to, to do that. But uh, but it's been a plan that apparently that's been in place for a long, long time. And so it's set up in a way where, where if you even question it, they just slap the anti-Semitic label on you right away. And that it, that's like, anchor to you know, to any politician obviously i mean they can't they can't deal with that they they get run out of office like cynthia mckinney was and right. for for not signing the apac pledge and things like that so uh, i i i have i've just always had this problem when when the media discusses foreign interference 
And then they list how we've got to make sure China and Iran and, and Russia aren't involved. And it's like they just leave out the biggest elephant in the room and they're just, you know, obviously never going to talk about it. And that is a that is a problem. That's, of course, why we need you. We need people like you writing about this because um, this is how you get sort of a, a window into see like, oh, this is look what's actually happening. Look what's going on in the, you know, in the cyber security industry that you you've written about so it's uh you know it's 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 as important of a of a component to this election as as anything else, as mail-in ballots what difference does mail-in ballots matter if you've got foreign countries that um that are infiltrating all of your communications i mean so it's it's a, it's a big deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> right but um so what you were talking about right in 2012, um, that's when that Netanyahu policy with Unit 8200, getting them acquired by Silicon Valley, um, behemoths, right? All of that really started then. But as, as you mentioned, right, all, all of this really goes back to the Promise software, the subsequent yeah. founding after the Promise software uh, scandal broke in the early 90s of uh, Israel's state-funded venture capital system for investing in these high-tech startups, which was created by the Israeli government's uh, Yasma program, it's called. And so there's a bunch of companies that were created during the 1990s through those venture capital firms, uh, some of which were headed up by like Isabel Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's yep. sister, right, mm -hmm. among other ones. Uh, that's where like Amdocs, Converse yeah. Infosys, now Varent Inc. come from. And of course, former Amdocs and Converse Infosys employees um, are the co-founders of Cyber Reason. Uh, they joined those specific companies after leaving Unit 8200, which of course is like Israel's NSA. Yeah. Um, it's Signals Intelligence Unit. They uh, create this company. They come together and create this company in 2012, the very year that Netanyahu and other um, Israeli government officials established this policy, which is openly admitted now in Israeli media as, as existing, right? Where they say that Israeli intelligence, both military intelligence and the Mossad, uh, began in, in 2012 outsourcing operations previously done in-house to private companies, several of which were set up explicitly for that purpose, i.e. front yeah. companies, right? Yeah. One of these companies we know for a fact is Black Cube, which has mm -hmm. gotten some coverage, um, right? But 2012 is the year that Cyber Reason is founded. It's uh, CEO, one of its three co-founders, who used to be a project lead at um, Amdocs, he openly says that his work at Cyber Reason is a, quote, continuation, right, of his service to Israeli military intelligence, right? Uh, I mean, how is that not a front company, right? It, that, it's a front company. <laughs> that's what, that's right. what it is. And, and, it's and like, yeah. <laughs> they don't even care if, the, if you know that it's a front company because, you know... It's almost as if they've been given the authority to just go ahead and make that happen anyway. I mean, who cares? Yeah, not Netanyahu has has explicitly said, I'd love for guys from Unit 8200 to go off on their own and continue and start new projects and, and finance them. And Isabel Maxwell has said that she's really only focused on getting involved in you know whether seed funding or you know helping helping out uh, on being on advisory boards of countries that are companies that are specifically tailored to benefit Israel and right. and and of course and to be fair there's nothing wrong with that 
if that's what you're into, if that's your, if you're Israeli or you have ties to Israel and you, you want to, it's, if it's your money, if it's your time and, and, and resources and you want to focus on, you know, saving the oceans, great. If you want to focus on just businesses that are, you know, that help Israel, that's fine. The problem is when you get in, when it becomes spying operations, that's when it's obviously a problem. If you just want to help Israeli companies go public and make a lot of money and everything, I, I can't, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but, but the Maxwell's obviously, as, as you know very well, they're, they, their family businesses besides media was spying. And so maybe don't let the spy from Israel in charge of, you know, the, the FBI's counterterrorism information through Chiliad, you know, maybe don't have them run it <laughs> through, through, through the Maxwell sisters. I don't know. It just seems insane to me that they, they sort of either look the other way. I, I guess it's not looking the other way. It's intentional that they're allowing these people with questionable backgrounds, with, with obvious ties to intelligence of foreign countries be so you know, to allow them to operate with impunity inside the United States without even, and, and if we raise even the question of, hey, shouldn't we be looking into these co companies? It's like, how dare you? What are you, anti-Semitic? It's like, no, I, I just think that this is a problem when you've got spies from the Another military in, in Israel <laughs> starting yeah. private companies and then getting involved in the United States and then saying, hey, guess what? We're going to come in and sort of help you guys with ele oversee elections because, you know, we we care about you. Like, oh, really? You care That's about That's uh, essentially um, what Cyber Reason says. They did all these election simulations with U.S. government officials, right? They hosted people from the FBI, the Secret Service, from DHS, all for free and spent all day guiding them through these simulations to see what they would do. And they said the reason was because they just want to help secure America's elections. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all for free. Uh, also weird because the way the simulation was set up, you know, um, there was no software product created by Cyber Reason they could market based on the uh, parameters and end results of the simulation. So they had no profit motive for mm. doing it. Just pure 100% altruism, right? Yes. That I'm seems just not buying that, obviously. A little weird. It seems a little weird, um, you know, for these guys that make a ton of money and aren't U.S. citizens and all of a sudden they just really care about uh, the U.S. elections, even when Israel is on, re you know, documented meddling in the 2016 election of the U.S. and after the 2016 U.S. election, we're caught meddling in Latin America, Asia, and Africa elections yeah. and all of those different continents. So you think it would just be kind of weird, um, you know, to not really question this, but that that's essentially what happened. But what's important to point out about these scenarios is that they're very unnerving because, you know, you look at the alleged extent, right? Just what people said happened in 2016 in terms of foreign meddling. Um, and they ostensibly wanted to simulate the 2020 election to prevent that style of meddling, but they don't. Uh, simulate that type or extent of meddling that was alleged in 2016, which was mostly like an alleged meme war on Facebook. Right. Um, what they simulate instead are hackers taking control of uh, like vehicle motor vehicles, ramming them into people voting, uh, waiting in line to vote, um, taking control of the sewage system, flooding streets with shit. Right? Taking down the power grid, creating deep fakes, um, 
you know, to make candidates look like they were involved in scandals they weren't really involved in. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, it has a body count. Did the 2016 meddling have a body count of any sort? No, I mean, nothing even closely approximating the type of stuff that Cyber Reason is out there simulating, right? And it's just yeah. very um, unsettling that, um, you know, this is the type of stuff they were, you know, gaming out last November. A lot of the stuff at the time uh, they were doing this seemed kind of odd, like their hacking of self-driving cars, for example. Last November just seemed kind of like, oh, what's going on there, right? But then, of course, with the coronavirus crisis, you see the introduction of large amounts of self-driving cars justified because of the virus, right? We can't have human drivers delivering things because it's a biohazard. So self-driving cars in California specifically um, you know, have been put on the roads in, you know, larger amounts than ever. They got special approvals, fast-tracked approvals to have more on the streets. That's very, um, you know, interesting that, you know, yeah. in the lead up to the 2020 election, it was predicted self-driving cars would be elected and the, or w would be hacked, right? And then right uh, on cue, seemingly, there's all these self-driving cars on the streets that seemed unthinkable a year ago. Well, it's almost as if they're creating the scenarios in which they're role playing. Let's see if these things play out. I mean, if if they play out exactly like you like you've written about, then uh, are you the new Nostradamus? No, you're just good at reading at understanding how the system how the system works. And, and what they do is they they run drills and simulations for a variety of reasons. And one reason might be Let's see what happens in order to prevent it from happening. There could be an actual decent reason for doing that. But another reason why these simulations and these drills um, need to be, uh, people need to keep their eyes on it is because a lot of times it's the pretext for them is to pre-position assets in right. positions without arising any sort of suspicion. It's like, well, what are all these people doing here? Oh, well, it's we're here because of a drill or people, equipment, communication networks, um, crisis actors too. Yes, people roll their eyes at that, but they actually do exist. Um, you, you get uh, the freedom and flexibility to put your assets where they need to be when you're running a simulation or a drill about something because it's all under the heading of this is just a drill. But then those people are in positions to actually activate when the drill switches from being fake or you know an actual drill to to going live and people might say well how often does that happen it happens all the time i mean it happened in during the 77 bombing uh it happens in during 911 it happened um at aurora the aurora situation oklahoma city was having drills madrid bombing sandy hook boston bombing san bernardino all of these events had drills happening at the same time that were mimicking the events that actually wound up happening in real life. So it's like, after how many of these drills do you have to have where they magically go live and the, the event that you were simulating turns into a real event and mimics it almost identically? Like, you can't do that over and over again without raising suspicion. So when Cyber Reason comes out and says, well, we're running drills and simulations based on, you know, ha a cyber attack on power grids and sewage treatment plants and electric self-driving cars being run into people. Well, then my 
you know, I put my tinfoil hat on for this and I start saying, well, let's pay attention to stuff like that because this might not be as far-fetched and, and ridiculous as you might initially think right. when you take into context of what has happened in, in the past. What these, these, you know, over the last 30 years, these things have been going, uh, these things have been happening. And I would also like to remind people that Obama, through the Smith Modernization Act of 2012, legalized propaganda inside yes, the United did. States to be used on Americans. And so I would I would suggest that he didn't take the extraordinary step of legalizing that if they didn't intend to use it. So because you don't get a warning label on your nightly news or in your or what you're reading online that says this is part of the propaganda, it's impossible to tell how much of this propaganda sausage, you know, is in the sausage making of information that comes out in your nightly news. You know it's in there. And you know that any good disinformation campaign has, you know, 80, 90 percent truth and 10 percent, 20 percent lies, whatever. But you don't know what the lies are. So it's just important for people to remember that that they legalized the line, not to say that they weren't lying before that. Of course, they were. But but they wanted to make sure that nobody would go to prison for it. (laughs) And so they did that. And now we're living in a world where propaganda is legal inside the United States and people don't know that because obviously they didn't take a, they didn't, they didn't make a big deal out of that on the media uh, or, or, or through the government. It's kind of left to us, the alternative media to, to, to make the noise about that. But most people are, are watching their nightly news, not, never realizing that there's, they need to apply that sort of filter or that, you know, whatever right. it is inside your brain to to when you watch the news to go, yeah, uh, it sounds a little fishy. Oh, yeah, this might be part of that propaganda stuff. So most people are unaware of that. And of course, that puts them at a at a severe disadvantage when trying to process and process information and then make rational decisions based on that information. You, you, you go you, you watch your nightly news about coronavirus, as an example, you 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 say, OK, what do we need to do? What do I need to do to, to protect my family family from this? OK, we're going to set out. We're going to do X, Y and Z. And and you go out about your life and you've you've made these changes and you don't even realize that you've based it on information that may, in fact, just be flat out lies. So it's very it's very uh, it's very difficult. First, of, like they say, it's difficult to convince people that they've that they've been fooled. Um, and a lot of us have been fooled and we don't really like to admit it. But it's OK. It's OK if, if you if you feel like you've been deceived by your government and by your media. They're professionals at that. They they they're the best in the in the world at lying to you about things. So so don't beat yourself up over it, but just acknowledge and realize that they have they've taken these extraordinary steps to to legalize something that should never be. I mean, this was the night. The original Smith Munt Act was in 1948. 40s, so it was like yeah. mm-hmm. after World War Two. And you can just imagine Congress sitting there going, God, you know, we saw what propaganda state run propaganda can do to a continent or to the world let's make sure that we don't do that to ourselves because that's a recipe for disaster so they do the smith month act and then you know obama you know mr i've only had one crisis and that was wearing a tan suit to a press conference he makes it legal to lie to people and you have to you just have to take that and and acknowledge that and factor that in when you're reading any sort of information these days
I know, absolutely uh, important to bring up, but I really wanted to um, circle back to what you said about simulations earlier about how they're about, um, you know, a lot of times about pre-positioning assets. These cyber reason simulations are all about hacks and how US officials react to those hacks, right? Um, I want to point out that, you know, Unit 8200, right? I mean, they're hackers, right? They're, yeah. they're hackers for Israel's government they have hacked foreign countries and the CEO of Cyber Reason, Lior Div, when he was in Unit 8200, he was the commander of Unit 8200's offensive hacking operations targeting nation states. <laughs> you can't, I, I mean, you can't be criticized for acknowledging, for pointing this out and then saying, I have a problem with this company I, or, or we should keep an eye on this company. Yeah. That is a logical conclusion based on who the company is. Totally. I don't know how anyone can 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 argue with that. But, you know, first and, of all, it's not going to get mentioned. Like a month or two ago, they hired this guy who has close connections to the Pentagon, a U.S. guy, to lobby the U.S. specifically, the public sector, the government, to for on Cyber Reason's behalf. He's hired by Cyber Reason to specifically expand Cyber Reason's public sector business. Okay, so they can get on more U.S. government networks before the election, essentially, because they hired this guy, I think, in July, and he was going to be, you know, uh, hitting the ground running, right, to, mm -hmm. to get new contracts for Cyber Reason. But even before then, Cyber Reason, uh, one of their other main investors is Lockheed Martin, which has a considerable presence where it's it's tech subsidiary, not just the weapons, right? Uh, there, there used to be an IT division of Lockheed Martin that... Um, invested in cyber reason cyber reason is the antivirus for all lockheed martin systems right with that company and also its it division was bundled off and sold to Lidos, which is the biggest u.s yeah. government contractor for it and they are partnered with cyber reason now so That's even crazy. before yeah so even before this public sector uh, push that was just announced a couple months ago. I mean, they've been on some of the most classified networks um, of the United States government, including networks but that belong to the intelligence community, that belong to the military, right? Um, and interestingly enough, you have several of their officials and also officials from other um, Israeli government-connected cybersecurity firms who were really responsible in a big way for seeding this narrative that sometime during the 2020 election season, there's going to be a, a, a hack by Iran and by China um, mm -hmm. targeting the U.S. in some way. Um, Cyber Reason, more than any other company, I would argue, aside from Microsoft, which has a lot of ties to Unit 8200 as well, has been very responsible for seeding the narrative that China is going to meddle in the U.S. election by hacking. And the company that is uh, most involved in, in blaming Iran for hacks, including the recent uh, hack of Gilead related to their coronavirus antiviral drug Remdesivir, is mm -hmm. a Israeli government-connected company called ClearSky, who um, their lead researcher is a Unit 8200 guy as well that was in charge, the commander of the unit that's uh, Unit 8200 that specialized in Persian, i.e., you know, um, Persian languages like Farsi, mm -hmm. right? So right. Iran, basically. And he continues, he openly admits, uh, to focus on Iran as a strategic intelligence target. He, uh, I just published an article about uh, his new group that's also 
helping the U.S. for free in the lead up to the 2020 election. The CTI League, co-founded by this guy, uh, whose uh, company that I mentioned earlier, Clear Sky, right? Uh, they were fund. They were created by an Israeli government contractor that created Israel's uh, e-government platform and still contracts with them and has also partnered with uh, Converse Infosys, uh, Verant Inc., and um, you know these same companies, right? That also involve, you know, where the cyber reason guys used to work, right? But the CTI League, um, because of, allegedly because of the increase in cyber attacks that hospitals and healthcare institutions in the U.S. have faced, um, they created this league that would offer cyber protection, I guess you could say, for free to these organizations, right? And so they have like over a thousand anonymous members um, and you can you can become a member, but you have to be vetted by this Zadenberg Unit 8200 guy or these Microsoft guys that co-founded the thing with him. And then you're in, and then you can uh, quote unquote protect and aid all of these hospitals, healthcare institutions, and companies like Gilead that were hacked. And apparently the Zadenberg guy is the guy that discovered the hack and foiled it on Gilead's behalf. Why they were mm. being protected by his CTI league. All very convenient, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, they, and, and you wrote this great story in January of 2019 on NewsGuard. I would say that that has been used to try and infiltrate and control what news is made available and things like that when you look at their list of uh, advisory absolutely. board and that members. was microsoft sponsored also newsguard was because it's part yeah. of their defending democracy program which is newsguard election guard and account guard account guard was to protect the emails of um presidential campaigns the only presidential campaign using account guard is the trump campaign can you guess uh which campaign was accused of being hacked by iran last year yeah exactly what <laughs> and which it, was identified it, by microsoft and the guys that co-founded cti league with this other guy blaming iran for the gilead hack you know it's uh yeah. it's all when seemingly you very convenient when you understand what the goal is say war with iran then it's easy to work backwards and figure out like how all these things fit in there and, and you start to see it becomes quite tra transparent that people are trying to you know whatever happens it's going to get blamed on russia or china or iran and used as the pretext to kick off some insane new war and, and and that might sound conspiratorial but it's like well hang on a second who do we have behind this again like you said you've got david frum and bill crystal and max boot who and all want to bomb these, Iran, <laughs> right? And all, yep, and bomb, bomb, bomb Iran. Yeah, all these, all these guys that are on the record, well, that have already kicked off foreign wars in the Middle East, and um, and so it, you can't put it past them that they might be trying to to do this as well. I have, I have, um, Bill. At some point, Bill Crystal is going to block me on Twitter. I'm sure of it because I just <laughs> I can't. I can't help myself to, but to chime in on, on his insanity. And it's 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 weird because all of this is is they're given like this um, sense of integrity or, or, or put on a pedestal by the media. And they, they interview them and ask them quest, serious questions about what they think about things. And it's like I can't. In, in a fair and real media landscape, which we don't have, but if you had one, you would – Asking Bill Crystal's opinion on 
anything except what's good on the menu here. You know, that's the only thing I would be asking him. I wouldn't be asking him about his thoughts and Paul, you know, what do you think we're, where do you think this is going to get us? What, what's the future with Iran? Because this is a guy that's a, that's a psychopathic bloodthirsty warmonger proven by, by all of the times he talks about what, what he wants. And so when, when I start to, you know, when I read your articles and I start to see these names appearing again, um, you know, it, it sends off alarm bells for me and it should for, for anybody that's paying attention because these guys plan these things out. They, they role play them. They simulate them. They get their people in positions of, of, you know, of authority to oversee this. They take a long approach to this. And I, I would say that they've had a couple of years to get these things, um, you know, thought out. And what we see, of course, will be told to us by the media as being completely organic and authentic and just, oh, how, how could this have happened? But it's never really like that. These guys are all, always scheming behind the scenes and these things don't happen accidentally. They happen on purpose. And then the, then the media does their role. It's a very, it's a very devious uh, operation, but the better you get at, you know, the more you read about it, the more you, you, you sort of look into these, these, uh, simulations and, and, and events that they put on, the, the easier it is to recognize them the second time around. And that, of course, is what you're doing. You're recognizing the same names. You're recognizing uh, sorts of procedures and things that are happening months in advance. And this is this is what you will this is what you would have found if it's if this was uh, the middle of 2001, you would have seen similar things like this. And you wouldn't have probably been able to tie the dots together thinking you wouldn't have had any reason to think that 9-11 was coming but now in retrospect looking back and seeing the war games and the decisions that cheney made you know uh, managing all training exercises for both the federal government and military agencies and uh, having a presidential mandate in may of 2001 that put him in charge of that all those things don't mean anything at the time unless you pull back and look at the big picture and you go, oh, they were setting it all up. And of course, here we are in the run up to the elections like like you would be in, in May of 2001 in the run up to 9-11. And you start to see the same sorts of things, decisions being made, people being put in charge of certain aspects of, of training, continuity of government and things like that, that in and of itself might not mean much. But when you pull back and look at the big picture, it's like they're planning something. They have to be. They're putting these people in positions, and um, it looks like they're setting the stage for another false flag. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, you know, like I sort of alluded to earlier, that some sort of cyber attack that's immediately blamed on some particular nation state. And I think, yeah. you know, it's not hard to, to guess who they are because they've, you know, already told us who they're going to blame for it, right? So, um, But even if they didn't tell us, we we could figure it out because we right? know who the, the, the boogeyman du jour is. It's all, you know, it's been Russia for the last couple of years. Now we're starting to see the pivot to China. And John Pilger uh, did a great documentary called The Coming mm -hmm. War with China. And you can see it you can see this play out and and it's and of course iran they've always had a hard on for iran they want to get rid of them but uh so anything will be used uh, as the pretext to to start these insane wars and the sad part about it is that the vast majority of people inside the united states and probably outside too but specifically inside the united states 
will unquestioningly just believe what the media tells them and will be wrote, you know, protest yes. that we got to get China or we got to get those Iranians or whatever. And then they'll be pulling Sikhs out of 7-Elevens and beating them, you know, because nobody really understands what an Iranian is. And, you know, oh, they, I can I can I can feel the grossness coming already. Yeah, no, I know it's going to be it's going to be. Well, we saw a bit of this, you know, with the, the beginning of the coronavirus crisis and attacks against Chinese Americans. And even people that weren't Chinese that were like Korean and stuff. Right. right? Um, so, you know, I mean, that's a tendency in the U.S. They really like to whip that up um, during lead ups to war or hostility or whatever it is. Um, it's definitely disconcerting. I mean, you have a lot of people that were involved in past simulations that preceded things like, uh, you know, the simulation that preceded 9-11 and the 2001 anthrax attacks like Dark Winter that involved people like right. James Woolsey, the former CIA director. He's on the committee of the present danger China with Steve Bannon talking about how China is going to attack the U.S. and we have to take them down and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, it just continuously you're seeing a lot of the same names overlap. And one thing I wanted to point out about in terms of overlap, right, trying to sort of bring this transition integrity project in line with Cyber Reason to an extent, is that Cyber Reason also has connections to the CIA. They have the former CISO of the CIA, or the Chief Information Security Officer, CISO, right? Um, mm -hmm. Robert Bigman is one of their uh, biggest advisors. They're also advised by U.S. companies like Motorola and Google, right? Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, they have Lockheed Martin as one of their main investors. That is a technically right, a U.S. company. So yeah. it's um, they definitely have a lot of connections to the U.S. establishment to a significant degree, which I think is worth pointing out because, you know, the CIA and Israeli intelligence or U.S. intelligence, Israeli intelligence, they often do things together, something the U.S. intelligence doesn't want uh they don't want to get caught doing. Sometimes they'll outsource to Israel and, and vice versa, right? This is yeah. not something that's necessarily like, you know, oh, this is Israel attacking the U.S. There's people in the U.S. that work with the people in Israel and vice versa, and they commit crimes against Iran or other countries, you know. And it's also worth pointing out, too, that Unit 8200 right now, the places where people like Cyber Reason came from, this Zadenberg guy, where they all came from, right, are openly, it, 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 it's admitted by Israeli officials now that a lot of these acts against Iran over the past year of industrial sabotage, over the past couple months, really, of things randomly exploding in Iran, all these factories randomly exploding, their food stores, like these grain silos randomly mm -hmm. catching on fire, right, that this has been Israel and this has been done by hacks and those hacks are done by Unit 8200, right, and they're trying to provoke Iran into doing something in the lead up to the November election in the U.S. because apparently Israel's government thinks that the U.S. will be more likely to act militarily uh, if Trump is in power as opposed to Biden. This is coming from mainstream media, right, talking about Israel, mm -hmm. um, more or less openly ad ad admitting that they think this would be favorable to them. So they're setting the, up this scenario, right? They're putting a lot of pressure in Iran. Of course, the Trump administration has crazy sanctions on Iran right now and a lot of other stuff going on. You're seeing this narrative being seeded without evidence by Unit 8200 type guys and Microsoft type people who, of course, uh, are contractors to the U.S. government, have all these ties to Unit 8200, um, are trying to get their election guard system installed, right? Um, pushing pushing this this narrative out too. And it is critical to point out, this has not been reported on enough. There is this critical infrastructure security agency that was created a couple years ago. It's overseen by DHS. It's in charge of all the critical infrastructure 
overseeing its security in all of the U.S., right? This includes the election system. This includes the power grid and everything else. It is currently headed by a former Microsoft executive, Microsoft's executive uh, for cybersecurity, who is actively lobbying for Microsoft's election guard to be put on as the election system for subsequent elections and all of this stuff. Huge conflict of interest not being reported on at all, as is the fact that Microsoft, you know, of course, has ties to, you know, these Unit 8200 uh, type companies that are, you know, a lot of them, as we mentioned earlier, are front companies. They're tied up with the CTI League thing, which is openly partnered with the CISA agency now, you know, which has gotten them helped that endorsement has helped get them onto the networks of a lot of these hospitals and healthcare institutions. I mean, the conflict of interest there is like totally insane because the people at Microsoft that co-founded CTI League used to work under this guy. And now he's in charge of the government agency that oversees all critical electronic infrastructure when the intelligence community of the US and, and these you know, transition integrity project guys and, you know, all cyber reason. They're saying, you know, China and Iran are going to hack the U.S. And, you know, it's just insane, dude. But Bill Gates wears a sweater, so he's trustworthy. You know, you can. He's you Mr. Can, Rogers. You, yeah. He's Mr. Rogers. Yeah. He's, he's rebranding his, his image. I wonder what he wears in summer. Does he like wear. <laughs> the... He wears a short sleeve uh, sweater. I would... <laughs> yeah, this is a, short, a, a sweater vest and a short sleeve polo, I guess. This yeah. is summer, summer it's, wear. It's, it's gross that there's so much overlap and 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 commingling and contamination between these um, these countries and corporations. It really is is tough to. Um, I mean, it, it's it, the lines are so blurred. You mentioned how you can have a foreign country. You know, if if the United States can't can't do something legally to its own people. They, they outsource that to Israel or someone. They, they also have relationships with the Five Eyes country. So if they want to, if, right. if they, they can just have New Zealand do it too, or they can have Australia do it. So we have these, these rules. They set up the game. They set up the rules so that they know how to break the rules and they, or go around them. And they get all of these uh, foreign con uh, countries to spy on us. And, hey, well, you know, you can't spy on your guys, but we'll spy on them for you. And then you spy on our, <laughs> our people for us. And then we'll we'll exchange information. It's really dirty. And I think one thing that people, you know, it's taking time, obviously. But it, 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 if this continues, it's almost like there's no I, I can't understand how people would not come to the realization that the government especially the United States government, but most governments that you live under, they don't like you. They don't work for you. They don't care about you. They are, they see the people as, as, you know, like this whole governing thing would be a whole lot easier if it weren't for all these people. <laughs> they want to like get, get rid right. of well, us. Well, look at what people like Henry Kissinger say, right? Yeah. About, well, they say, he said it about like soldiers, right? But you know, they're, they're yeah. dumb beasts or whatever for U.S. pawns, for U.S. foreign policy. Kissinger has met with Trump like, all, like I think like three, maybe five times since he's been in office and before, when he was president elect, right? He's super mm -hmm. tight with Clinton. He is yeah. super tight with uh, one of his best friends now is Eric Schmidt, the former Google CEO who's in charge yeah. of, believe it or not, national security policy on artificial intelligence for the United States government and is now the unofficial, but essentially has fashioned himself the de facto liaison between the Department of Defense and Silicon Valley, um, mm -hmm. putting him in a major role um, at influencing uh, research projects at agencies like DARPA. Yeah. among others. I mean, this is really 
disconcerting, but that's how these people think, right? And let's remember too that Kissinger is the guy that talked about using food as a weapon, right? Mm -hmm. To um, reduce third world populations, which he said were a threat to US national security or would be in the future, right? Mm -hmm. um, and here we go with people like Bill Gates and you know Eric Schmidt and all of these guys funding genetic gene editing techniques for crops and people. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy, dude. But, you it's know, crazy. this is this is where where things are right now. The fact that you have people like Henry Kissinger um, who created these anti-human policies, right, and views people that aren't part of the elite circle as dumb beasts um, mm -hmm. and all of this stuff, you know, still uh, praised by my mainstream media and invited to all the think tanks to talk and invited to these prestigious universities to speak and all this crap. I mean, that shows you the type of mentalities that are elevated in Washington, D.C., right? I mean, the yeah. fact that Kissinger there is is considered to be, the, you know, the, the cream of the crop, right? I mean, that tells you what type of mentalities and views are favored in these circles that are planning all these stuff and running these simulations they don't care about how many people they kill right they nope. just care about getting what they want and at the end of the day you know um it looks like what they want from the 2020 election is some sort of um you know chaos which they say is essentially inevitable now right yeah um in order to in my opinion impose order or a new order what the world economic forum keeps calling for next year the great yes. reset right and all of these things i mean very clearly um there are things being engineered so i think it's really important that we take you know time to look at these things like we have done in in some detail today obviously you can always go deeper <laughs> right but yeah. um you know take a look at these things that they're seeding because essentially what these intelligence agencies do is they sort of tell you things that end up happening you know in advance right yeah. so you know, we're seeing that again now and with these things that are going to play out, the constitutional crisis after November 3rd, uh, cyber terror attacks on Election Day and all of this stuff. It seems very likely um, that it will happen because all the pieces are in place, even deep fakes that they've predicted for this election. Right. The main deep fake company is called Kenny AI. It's funded by um, Israel's FBI equivalent, uh, Shin Bet. <laughs> right so you know it's this it, the it, it's and they're allied they're uh, partnered with uh cyber reason of course right of course they are of course they so are <laughs> so you know it's just like um you know why are they telling you that a foreign hostile foreign actor is going to make deep fakes when the deep fake company that's responsible for every viral deep fake of the past two years is this other one that's tied and partnered with cyber reason it just seems all very um you know, too convenient. And, you know, given the some of the history that we've, um, you know, gone over a little bit was, well, not too much, right? But, you know, there is a definite correlation uh, between, you know, a lot of these simulations that take place in the events that they, you know, allegedly are going to help prevent, but end up yeah. not preventing, they end up just predicting it. It happens more than most people are willing to um, admit. And, and it's been, you know, it's a real... It, they don't have a very vast playbook. They tend to do the same things over and over again, in part because right. they work. So, so there, there's not a whole lot of uh, creativity to their to their scam. They they like order out of chaos. We know that. We know that's kind of their motto. Um, we're certainly getting chaos now. 
I would suggest that what we're seeing in the United States as a color revolution, you know, like Soros has done in, in, you know, the orange revolution in Ukraine or the rose revolution or the purple revolution. This is the black revolution. It's the Black Lives Matter revolution. And it, it doesn't seem organic to me. It seems like it's coming out of, of someplace uh, um, that is concocting it. Obviously, when you get pallets of bricks left by the Acme Brick Company sitting on s street corners, that's not normal. I... I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought of was, Jesus Christ, the fucking Roadrunner is involved in this now? He's dropping bricks on the Coyotes? I mean, they've gotten everybody involved. So I, I, it's, it's frustrating to me that more people aren't aware of this. They aren't seeing that what's happening looks manufactured. Um, mm -hmm. When you've got no credibility with the media, when, when they're, they're caught constantly lying to you, but they then then say specific things like we're expecting cyber attacks from these countries. And if they wind up happening that way, well, then the media will claim will claim credit for it. Say, like, see, we told you this was going to happen. This is going to build up our credibility. It's like, no, 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 no. The reason why, you know, it's going to happen is not because you're great investigative journalists. It's because this is you're being told this is how it works. They're they're telling you it's coming. You're pre-programming everybody. It's part of the plan. It's part of the op, the psychological operation that that's happening it's 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 a part it's predictive program it gets you softened up for when it really happens you're like oh yeah i did hear about this i'm not surprised that it's happening i've been i've been hearing about this for months of course you have they're softening everybody up so these uh you know the the return the return of these uh neocon guys uh is is, is funny to me because they were such hardcore Republicans, right, in the in the in the Bush White House, but um, but now they're resistance heroes, right? They yeah, rebranded. <laughs> yeah, they've been rebranded, and now they're they're really more like they they fit better in with what Joe Biden wants to to have happen. So, so there's there there's no real allegiance to the United States for these guys. I think that's quite obvious. Uh, they have much bigger plans for the world, and it and it is. You know, it is this new world order that sounds preposterous the first time you hear it and everyone goes, OK, Alex Jones, with your new world order. But it's like, hang on a second. They're writing about this. They're calling it the new world. order. They're telling you what they want. Kissinger's talked about it. Bush, Clinton, all the, all the main people, all the heads of state have all talked about it and how, you know, we have to embrace this new world order. And I think that you're right. I think that the World Economic Forum is the catalyst for this. They've that this fourth industrial revolution is going to mm -hmm. be billed as the savior. It's the problem reaction solution problem. We've got right. massive riots in the United States. Reaction. Oh my God! Please somebody come in and save us from this. I want to reopen my store and I don't want to get hit with a brick and I don't want to get yelled at at some restaurant patio by a bunch of Black Lives Matter lunatics. Please save us solution and here comes the solution fourth industrial revolution we're going to have ai run everything we'll give you a ubi right. we'll 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 have you um you know genetically tested gene editing uh you know gmo foods we'll put you in smart cities hey listen it says smart in the name of the city so you're gonna like it right smart cities driverless cars and you know all these things that they've talked about and they they you know when you when you when you hear World Economic Forum and you go to their website and you look at what the Fourth Industrial Revolution looks like, it's not necessarily the worst thing, except that 
the worst people are in charge of it. Yes, they are. (laughs) If you had really good people trying to put this agenda forward, I could see where some of the components, not all of them, but some of the components of it would be a benefit to humanity, or at least you could start to, to benefit humanity with them. But when... When people dig into who started the World Economic Forum, the guy that started it was the head banker for Deutsche Bank from in Germany from 1939 to 1944. Gee, I wonder who he was working with. You know, it's like, yeah, well, it's is is do we is this the Fourth Reich? Is the World Economic Forum? Otherwise, for people that don't know what that means, slash Davos. So when you hear everyone goes to Davos in January, they're going to the World Economic Forums event it's they're based in davos that's what it is so it's these billionaire you know industry industry titans that come together and talk about how they want to shape the world and and, and once again on the surface not the worst thing because we're we we've got a plan how we want things to turn out the problem of course is the same problem as is there everything? It's who's in charge of it. And I can't blindly get on board with the World Economic Forum's plan because I know who's running that operation. And that's that's where we get into this. The world could be a much better place. Imagine if everybody took instead of using all this time and resources and effort to to try and destabilize governments, you spent that energy trying to make governments better or make the world better or make food production more available instead you you're bill gates and you go yeah well we're going to introduce gmo foods and i'm a huge shareholder in monsanto slash bayer and we're pushing gmos and then i finance the seed vault in svalsvard norway to house billions of seed of actual real seeds so that they're far away from you (laughs) you know it's like wait a second it starts to seem a little you know, all for me and not for the type yeah. of policies, the sort of, you know, elitist um, ideology, which really has been long existent in the United States, this whole view. Um, I mean, it's even in, in um, there's this really great book. It's really old by uh, Max Weber about um, Protestantism in the United States. And mm-hmm. there it, there's this view that the people that... Um, that, that emerged, right? That the people that were the wealthiest were there because they were most blessed by God and they were superior and, and better mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And you see that pop up in a, uh, you know, in different um, ways over the years, not all just with Protestantism either, but, you know, in different ways in the American landscape and beyond, right? In Europe as well and, and elsewhere, it often dovetails with the eugenics movement to an extent, yes. the history of that movement. Um, and so, you know, do you really want to put the people that think you're a dumb beast and a useless eater and, you know, a pawn for their use in charge of deciding, um, how AI is built into society and what comes after this great reset as Davos and the World Economic Forum call it? Um, I certainly do not think that is a good idea. Um. But it's worth pointing out that a lot of these, um, a lot of, there, there's a lot of, these intelligence agencies to a big extent are very, fo- that we've been talking about in, in relation to the election, very invested and focused on AI in a huge way right now. Uh, Eric Schmidt heads the National Security Commission on AI that is essentially the Pentagon, uh, the CIA and intelligence community in Silicon Valley all together, coming together how to decide the U.S.'s AI policy. Schmidt as a Kissinger ally favors uh, building it together with the elite of China. Uh, 
um, and creating a new global system around AI, right? So this is not a conspiracy theory. This is openly what they say. And then of course there's the other faction um, sort of the nationalist faction that wants to leapfrog China and maintain U.S. hegemony and install an AI-built Orwellian surveillance prison system in the U.S. first that surpasses China in order to have more powerful AI algorithms, right? So, you know, that, that those are basically the factions, I would argue, duking it out in the U.S. right now. It looks like the Schmidt side is winning because Bannon is going to prison <laughs> right? Uh, from the looks <laughs> of it. So... Um, yeah, so but we have it's that definitely... to look forward to, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I get. Well, I mean, you know, neither faction is good, right? And I would like to think that they can duke it out and uh, destroy each other and yeah, leave everyone else relatively unscathed. But I think that they will definitely cause a lot of harm before um, that <laughs> that happens. But something I wanted to comment on earlier about, since you brought it up, um, I wasn't planning to talk about it today. But the whole Black Lives Matters thing, I think one of the reasons a lot of people are not really looking at that in terms of being engineered is because of the fact that in the US there is a problem that has not been addressed for a very long time of police brutality, of yep. the um, unfair um, uh, nature of the US justice system, particularly how it relates to ethnic minorities, something that has been going on in the US for a very long time. Um, and actually, you know, Biden is the architect of a lot of that freaking policy, right? Yeah. With the 94 crime bill. You know, but I mean, none of this is getting talked about in, in the fact that, you know, um, you see the name Black Lives Matters, right? Well, Black Lives obviously do matter. And I think that's where a lot of this tension ends up coming from is that people that say Black Lives Matters as a group is bad. They think that the people that oppose that group are opposing the idea that Black Lives Matters, not realizing perhaps that, you know, there's an entity, an organization with that name that takes funding from billionaires and different organizations that all have an agenda. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the, you know, the opposite side of Black Lives Matters, these white nationalist, white supremacist groups are very infiltrated by the US federal government and intelligence agencies and the FBI. So why wouldn't the other side of that when these intelligence agencies and national security groups and whatever have a documented history of infiltrating both sides or trying to infiltrate with the destruction, with the idea of destroying the organization from within. Anytime there has been historically an organization that has honestly tried to advocate for racial justice for African-Americans, uh, just look at the 60s, they get COINTELPRO'd, uh, their leaders get assassinated or they get dragged off to prison, right? That is not happening with Black Lives Matters. Um, they are using it for a particular reason. When police pr brutality protests began earlier this year, uh, that was quickly funneled from police brutality to make it all about statues. Let's take down the statues. I mean, that was mm -hmm. clearly a move by mainstream media to divert that in a certain direction. Now they're trying to ramp up tensions before this pre-planned chaotic election season. So, you know, it's really difficult to even really be able to talk about this because tensions in the U.S. are so high, but I would really... You know, I think it's really important for people that want to talk about this, that they try to avoid playing in to this pre-planned uh, effort to gin up tensions about this issue in particular before the election, see it as part of this larger scheme. Um, and, you know, people on the right for sure need to stop being like, oh, that black guy deserved it. I mean, no one yeah. deserves to be murdered by cops, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, 
Um, police brutality is a huge issue. Uh, people on the right should be outraged about the insane militarization of police. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these issues are real and they need to be talked about, but there's been a huge effort to make the rhetoric not constructive and make it all about ginning up racial tensions to the greatest extent possible in the United States uh, before this election that, you know, as we've talked about today, they're trying to, uh, you know, basically have the country implode from within. Yeah, I was at USC, uh, which is in South Central Los Angeles, in 1992 when the Rodney King riots kicked off. I understand. I mean, I saw firsthand how how police brutality and then the subsequent trial of those uh, cops and they they were found not guilty and then they and then the riots and that's an, that wasn't like an organic that was legit anger and I didn't like it. I mean, I didn't like what had happened to Rodney King. It was reprehensible. I didn't like that the police got off. I wish that there weren't riots, but I was fe my feeling was, well, at least this won't happen again, right? Clearly, the riots have have sparked something. We're going to get some changes, and we're going to make sure that that this sort of thing never really happens again to the black community. But here we are, three almost three decades later, and the same things are happening. In fact, I was after a couple two years after the Rodney King thing. That's when Joe Biden and you know and Bill Clinton put together that. The, the, those, you know, the omnibus crime bill, which put a disproportionate number of black people in prison. I mean, and, and so, you know, they've been, the black community has a legitimate complaint about police brutality. It should have been taken care of a long time ago, but instead they hitched their wagons to Reverend Al Sharpton, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who marched them in a complete circle for the last 30 years. I mean, cause we're right back to where, where they started from. Nothing's been, nothing's changed. Nothing's been fixed. There's still uh, the police are still acting like maniacs to the black community, except now they're acting like maniacs to everybody through the 1033 right. program, which weaponized them in 97. Once again, Bill Clinton doing that and uh, and making it so that the police are able to receive the excess military equipment. And that has had a, a huge devastating effect on the psychology, the way people view the police. I mean, it used to just be that the black community was really scared of the police. Now I think a lot of the white community is scared of the police as well, and rightly so. Yeah, so, I think they should it, be. You know, yeah. I, I would honestly say, you know, people that are um, unhappy with, you know, or, or that are calling for uh, the military to be deployed to all these riots, though, I, I think they should, you know, like on the right, for example, I think they should ask themselves, what if those, you know, that unrest was over uh, protesting mask mandates or lockdown measures or, mm -hmm. you know, a policy like that, which is, you know, those types of manifestations normally um, appear more on the right wing than the left wing. What if the military was called in uh, to use a lot of those heavy handed tactics um, you know, that they're using now on people that are predominantly left wing. I mean, the problem here, you know, state violence is never good. Maybe you're supporting it, but I would argue that both sides um, are being engineered in order to justify bringing in the military and getting people on either side to beg for the military to come in to restore order, right? right. Which is, you know, as we've been talking about a little bit is, you know, one of the goals here, right? And yeah. has been. Right. And you know, they, they activated continuity of government in March for a reason. They haven't deactivated it, probably because they plan to use it. 
Yeah. And, you know, last year when Cyber Reason was doing these simulations, and uh, it, it wasn't just Cyber Reason, right? You had the U.S. intelligence community talking about the 2020 election, issuing statements, China, Russia, Iran are going to target us uh, with disinfo campaigns and cyber attacks and all this stuff. And you also had the mainstream media, like Rolling Stone, for example, saying that U.S. democracy after the 2020 election will end forever and all this stuff, right? I yeah. mean, they are telling you what's going to happen and people really need to stop playing into it. Yeah, I agree. Time to wake up everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they're telling well... you what they're going to do before they do it. So <laughs> Right. All right. Well, with that, I think we have, uh, we've almost uh, hit uh, two hours. I think we've uh, covered a lot cool. of really important ground. Of course, there yeah. is a lot more to cover for people that of are course. interested um, and more um, of some of the things we've talked about. Um, Charlie has an upcoming book about a lot of the themes that we've talked about here. So, um, it would be a good idea to look for that in the near future. My cyber reason series and a lot of my reporting on, uh, election related things can be found at my, my, uh, relatively new website, unlimitedhangout.com. Some of them can also be found at thelastamericanvagabond.com where I've published some things. Um, and of course we'll be... Uh, I'm sure Charlie will as well, but I particularly will be focusing a lot on a lot of these issues, uh, you know, still into the future before the November election with hope of, you know, <laughs> waking people up to an extent about how uh, pre-planned and engineered a lot of this stuff is so people stop uh, playing into it willingly and are able to see, you know, the game before it fully plays out. So um, thanks everyone for tuning in and catch you all next time. 